whatever is happening inside of you, you will tend to create in your outside world to show your unconscious mind that it's true. So we will create drama and we will create conflict that's actually unconsciously inside of us. We actually covered off red flags back in episode six of this particular series, but now we're going to actually flip it on its head by discussing green flags when it comes to relationships. And joining me is someone with a wealth of knowledge on this topic. Her name is Candace Hazeltine and she specialises in relationship counselling and mentorship. Hello. Hey, Karen. So great to have you in here. I'm so excited to be here. I love what you're doing here. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm, yes, mirror work. I'm loving what you're doing (laughs) also. So we're going to be talking about, as I said, green flags. And there's so many different ones. Apparently you've got like 60 up your sleeve. Yeah, I started started thinking about this yesterday before coming in and I just started typing and there are so many things that you can look for in a relationship and in another person as well and there's so many qualities that you can have in yourself that can make a relationship so much better. So 60 is what we've got. Wow, but we're not going to go through all of them no, today. No, no. <laughs> we might not have enough time for that. And we also don't want to, you know, show the obvious, I guess, maybe some that we don't know about. I've picked seven, which I think some of them are going to be really interesting for you and everybody listening. Wonderful. So before we get into those tips to sort of look out for about nourishing your relationship, talk us through what you do. So you don't actually love just counselling people that are already in a bad relationship. You want to sort of help them understand before they get to that stage. Yeah, absolutely. So the interesting thing about relationships is that we'll tend to model whatever was represented to us at home. Definitely. And our parents were all doing the best they could with the resources they had at the time. It's just that sometimes they didn't have very good resources. Because if you think about our parents when they were kids, their parents were going through things like war and really tough, tough, stressful times for humans. So we've been handed down ways of relating that don't really work in a modern world because things have changed. Mm. So couples are really busy. There tends to be two people in a lot of homes that have got different careers and varying levels of success. Dating has changed because of dating apps that have come in. Social media has completely changed the world. So things that we saw our parents do don't necessarily work. Yes. And do you agree with that theory that we go for someone that's similar to our dad or if you're a male, you go for someone similar to your mum? Yeah, we can. And it can also be that as a woman, you may adopt the qualities of your mum more than your dad. So it's really interesting when you really start to break down into everybody's individual stuff, there is a lot of unconscious behaviours and thinking. And it's like, there's all rules in there that we've been given and we don't even know that we've been given them. Mm. So we kind of have a program running about what we think's right, what we should be looking for or what we could be doing. And that does tend to reflect what your parents did. So yes, it's true. You do tend to take the qualities that were modeled to you And it could also be that you were closer to another relative at home, like if there was a grandmother or grandparent living in the home, and you can take on that as well. And you take all that on and then you bring it into your relationship as an adult. 
Yes, I totally agree with that. All right, so let's get straight into these tips of what we should be looking for. And instead of, as we said, instead of going into the negative, we're going to go into the positives and calling in the right person or even just nourishing the relationship you've already got. Yeah, absolutely. So the interesting thing about relationships is that they are an amplifier. So whatever you've got going on inside of you before you enter one, the relationship's just going to amplify it. So are we talking mirror work there almost? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. yeah, like it's the shadow. Carl Jung famously talked about this shadow, which was the, the lesser liked qualities. So we've all got those aspects of jealousy in us and we can all have things like anger and sadness and guilt and shame and they show up in different ways, right? And they tend to show up in your relationship more than anywhere else in your life. I agree with that because when you're single, it's like, I've got my (laughs) shit together, nothing's triggering me, life's amazing, you know, obviously you can get a bit lonely when you're single, but when you feel like you've done that inner work on yourself when you're single, it's like, oh, I've nailed this and then you can get into a new relationship and then you're getting triggered all the time and you're like, but I've done all this work on myself, why is this happening? New level, new devil, right? So you can have so much awareness, it's actually a beautiful time to be single and get yourself solid, you know, go and get fit and go and have fun and go and make money and build your career and buy a house or do whatever you want to do. And then it doesn't matter how much work you've done, it's going to show up again in a relationship. (laughs) And it depends who you're with, right? So this is why we look for green flags so we can end up in an attachment which is healthy for us and which feels safe and which feels nice so that even when problems do come up, they're just normal standard communication things that happen between men and women because we're so different. Awesome. All right. Well, teach us all about these green flags because I, yeah, haven't really thought about it this way. I've always thought of the negative accidentally, like, oh, watch out for that red flag. Yeah. The red flags Mm. are so commonly talked about. So Mm. some of my favorite green flags, so things that you can either look for in somebody or once you've met somebody, you can work to cultivate them together. So one of the big ones that I like is self-responsibility. So you want to have somebody who's responsible for themselves. And this means that if they're in the wrong, they can apologize. They're out bettering themselves. They want to be the best version of themselves. They take responsibility for matters in their life, whether it comes to finances or if they're a single parent, they have responsibility around making sure that their kids are looked after and that they've got a good working relationship with their ex-partner. So somebody who's accountable, you know, so that's the whole concept of self-responsibility. And it can be a challenging thing for people sometimes because it really means that there's no blame cast. You're fully responsible for everything that you're creating and that's the end of the line. (laughs) And that's very hard for everyone to accept because, you know, again, that whole mirror work scenario and it's like well you're actually calling that in and a lot of people don't understand that so the accountability makes a lot of sense yeah 100% and uh, perception is projection which is probably a whole other podcast that we could talk about whatever is happening inside of you you will tend to create in your outside world to show your unconscious mind that it's true Mm. so we will create drama and we will create conflict that's actually unconsciously inside of us And this is why relationships can be so amazing and so powerful because you can see that like as a personal development tool, 
if you're interested in bettering yourself, when conflict arises in a relationship, if you've got two people that can take self-responsibility and go, oh, hold on, <laughs> hold on, that's not you, that's mine. I'm sorry I got upset yes. about the rubbish. Yes. Actually, there's something going on at work or with my best friend and I didn't mean to project that all over you. Like that's the kind of self-responsibility. Great advice. Love that. Yeah. What's another one you've got for us? So another one, I've written them all down, vulnerability. Brene Brown famously talks about this. She's done so much study on the art of vulnerability and this is just the concept of being able to be truly yourself. And a lot of male groups are talking about that with the masculine empowerment, but it's actually to be vulnerable. So I love yes. that a lot of the male groups are bringing this into their workshops to be saying, hey, what society has told us that you're the masculine is actually like we all have that balance of masculine and feminine and that vulnerability needs to be there for the males. Yes, you're onto it. Mm. So it actually takes so much strength for a man to be vulnerable because they come from generations that have taught them something different and they have this core need to protect and provide and to make sure that their women feel great and safe. So there's this sense that they need to be like this this hard shell sometimes. And I've got this all the time, 24-7. But we know that's not realistic. No, it's not. Like it's so beautiful to be able to hold your partner and just like if he's had a shitty day and he's like, I've got you. It's okay. You can relax. My partner says this to me all the time. He's like, I've never actually had a woman who can be feminine, but I feel held when I need to be held. So, so being vulnerable as a woman, it's not necessarily that we're just a bag of emotions, (laughs) you know, some of us are, (laughs) sometimes we can be, and you know, this is, but this is like taking self-responsibility as well for your vulnerability. So it's not dumping it all on your partner, but being able to show your emotions and then knowing how to get yourself out of them as well. So not necessarily expecting them to fix it, but just to show it. And then the more that you can open up and show, it gives permission for them to show it as well and to know that it's safe and they can show it and then they can keep going. Mm, gorgeous. Well, you have one lucky man there that you've been able to provide that space for him. So yeah. that's wonderful. He's a beautiful soul. I'm sure he is. Self-sufficiency and interdependence. So codependency is something that's yeah, that's not thrown good. around there a lot. Mm, no, we can't do that. <laughs> I mean, there's some healthy forms of codependency. There should be some basic expectations that you have of your partner in regards to, I know that you come home every night if that's what happens. <laughs> you know, yes. some people work away from home. Yeah, okay. Um, if you pregnant and having a child you know that you're supported and someone's got your back so that's a great they're thing the to be healthy dependent. ones yeah okay so self-sufficiency in the way that you're interdependent so like you're both two strong pillars and the relationship's kind of the roof of the house right so you're two strong people coming into the connection together and you can fund yourselves and you know how to get your needs emotionally met mm. and you've got your friendship circles and you've got your career or your business or whatever you're doing in life. You're not coming into a relationship to uh, – the first word that comes to mind is like I'm looking for a baby daddy or something like that, yes. you know, like someone that can yep. support you. That's what creates – like when you need to be – carried in some way and even if it's emotionally that creates a sense of codependency and it will become unhealthy and toxic and for women in particular who are looking to replace the father 
wound, maybe they didn't get emotional love and support enough from from their dad, Mm. you will recreate that in your relationship. It's going to kill sex drive. It's going to kill polarity. And if you stay together, it's not going to be a happy life. Yep, I agree. And those, as you're saying, it does develop over time and it gets worse and worse. And I I can even give an example with my partner and I, because I'm very independent and so is he. And when we got together, we're like, oh, we love hanging out like all the time. And we were both kind of a bit blown away by it because we haven't had that with other relationships. And then during COVID, which a lot of people would have probably experienced, you ended up being in your little love bubble and just staying at home. And then once things opened up, I was like, babe, we've got to start doing our our own thing again (laughs) because we are becoming accidentally codependent, but we didn't even mean it. And then, yeah, it was good to get that clarity once again. It's like, oh no, we should do a few more things on our own again. So that's another form of healthy codependency, you know, the Rona romance. It was huge. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Well, a lot of people broke up and then a lot of people, yeah. Found deeper connection. Mm. Yeah. Or found love, which is so beautiful and that's that's actually healthy and then but that shows how interdependent and how skilled you both are to be able to go with the flow so you can come together and be great and then you can go off and do your own things and still be great well done us it's a strong relationship you've <laughs> done great you. thank you <laughs> the next one I've got is to speak about exes with respect oh okay yes let's delve into this one whenever there's an emotional charge if you've got somebody new in your life or somebody who's been in your life for a while and they're just using foul language about their ex or they're constantly complaining about their ex it means there's an emotional charge there. So there's still healing work that needs to be done and they're dumping all of that into the relationship and it's not great. And it's actually a bigger character sign of who this person is and the fact that they can't move forward or they don't know how to or maybe they're just quite vengeful. Mm, And that wound is still raw. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have had that with partners in the past and they obviously – we're not the right one. And I'm like, yeah, you've still got a bit of healing to do on that one. So, yeah. yeah. And so when emotional charge is removed from an experience, it actually becomes wisdom. And that's when it's the time to get into a relationship, Mm. not to get into a relationship, to have somebody hold space for you and be your counsellor and just your literal emotional dumping ground for your problems. That's right. And they're normally trying to fill the void, you know, and we don't want that again. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people will move out of a connection and move straight into a new one because they can't be on their own. They need that love being given to them. And this is a whole other topic as well, but this is where love bombing comes in as well. Somebody tries to get you captivated really quickly with strategies that make you fall in love with them Yes, by talking the talk. We've all heard of some guy that does this or some girl that does this. We've all experienced it too. <laughs> yeah, <they? laughs> yeah, we've all experienced a little bit of this. Yeah. And it's so common when you're out there mm. looking to meet somebody. Mm. There's a few of them hanging around. So just avoid that altogether. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah, okay, great. All right, what's the next one? You want somebody that is able to talk about problems and that can do it early on in the relationship. And if you're already in a relationship and you haven't been speaking about problems, we all have problems, right? So this is actually voicing your expectations, voicing your needs, voicing the little things. Like honestly, if you're sick of somebody leaving the toilet seat up or if you're sick, this is a common one, if you're sick of 
a dishcloth being left in the sink a certain way. So these little things can become big things over time. So it's really good to have these conversations and to have a way that you can both communicate without fear Mm. that it's going to trigger the other person or that you're going to be judged in some way or shut down in some way. This is where silent treatment can come in in the course of a relationship because there's two people that just don't know how to talk about their needs and expectations. Mm. So be overt in what you want and know that it's okay and set it up as early as you can in the connection so that it's normal. Yes, love that. And also with for me personally, I've worked out over the years like setting healthy boundaries at the start. So same as this same conversation of oh, that annoys me or whatever, but then also this is what I'm really wanting in a relationship. Yeah, yeah your expectations. Mm. I mean having expectations and not voicing them is like getting annoyed with Uber not bringing your food that you didn't order, right? So okay, someone, yeah. someone can't meet your expectations if you haven't told them what they are. And in that, it's actually okay to say no. Yes. So it's okay to bring these things up in a relationship and go, okay, oh, I see that that's important to you. Maybe I can do this much, but I can't do the whole thing. Mm. And I have this with my partner all the time. Like he kept leaving his, God love me, he kept leaving his towels on the bathroom floor because he's, oh, he's spent a lot of time living in hotels. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is not a hotel. <laughs> I'm not picking that up. With, there's no maid here. Yeah, so we've made an agreement. He doesn't do that anymore. And there's a couple of other things that he actually just can't get his head around doing. I'm like, that's okay. We've bartered on the towels. Yep. And I actually believe you when you say that you want to change that, but maybe you can't. So talk about this stuff. Okay, come on, give us the juicy details. What did he <laughs> say that annoyed him about you? We do talk about our flaws and this is actually hilarious. He asked me just weeks ago, um, what do you see as my flaws? And I can't remember the guts of the conversation now. You're like, you're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> We're all perfect. <laughs> One of them was the towel. So Tyler, he's quite a genius. He's got lots of wonderful ideas and so we can have lots of projects going at once. So that was something I was talking about. Like, you know, maybe we can be a bit more grounded or we can get systems in place so that we're not doing so many things at once. And I can't for the life of me, Karen, remember what he told me my flaws were. So there's, <laughs> I think there's something unconsciously that I don't want to accept. Oh, you've blocked it. There weren't, yeah, I must have because right, I can't remember. When you go remember. home after this interview, you're going to have to, yeah, ask him, what was it again? We can actually both be, it's really interesting, we're both messy. So we can be messy in regards to just leaving our stuff lying around, but we're super clean. So when we clean, my God, it's hospital quality. Right. <laughs> and that's why you got confused about the towel when you're being in messy mode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, well, it's okay that we do these things, but yeah. The towels have got to dry, right? It's just gross having... Yeah, the smell. No good. It doesn't sit well with me. So yeah, talk about your needs, talk about things that are aggravating you. And if you can do it in a small capacity, it means that you can do it in the bigger ones as well. So if you all of a sudden down the course of your relationship come across like a weird spending habit or something that your partner's got, then, you know, these are bigger things that need a conversation. And then when you come to having kids together and you've got those deeper responsibilities, you need to be able to be open and honest. Very important. Yeah. And a little bit like back in the day, people used to do their marriage counselling before they got married and to actually have these discussions because a lot of the time we forget to have them. And they get worse and worse over time. But, yeah, yeah, it's great that you're sort of making this 
something that you do all the time. You know, it's not just, oh, we're going to get married, we're going to get that commitment, you know. So it's good that you're doing it at the start of the relationship and it becomes the norm. Well, relationships are beautiful as we've probably all experienced. They can add so much to your life. Love is that frequency, that vibration that makes so many great things happen. You know, when you fall in love, you're showing up at work better. You've got more sales in your business. Everything's just thriving. It's like the sun feels better. The water feels better. Everyone's (laughs) sleeping down the street. You're literally like shining and people notice it. You know when people are in love and it's beautiful. So it can be the best time of your life and relationships can equally be the worst time of your life. Have you ever had an argument with your partner that eats away at the back of your mind when you're at work in the day and it's just there, you know, and then when you feel like a relationship's coming to an end as well, that can be so taxing, especially if there's children involved and you're not really sure what to do. Mm. You know, do we leave or do we stay? I feel deeply unhappy. I don't know. It's all consuming, right? So it's so cool to be able to learn these things before a relationship gets to that point where it's, do we stay or go? Yeah. Because usually when it's there, if you don't have two people wanting to work on it, it's pretty much dead in the water. Mm. Yeah. But we're talking all the We're talking good things, good (laughs) things. So the last one I wanted to mention was a relaxed nervous system. And a relaxed nervous system means that you feel good. Your digestion's good. Your thinking's good. Your sleep's good. You feel calm. You might have a bit of anxiety or stress if you're going on a date for the first time. Mm. But generally you feel really comfortable around that person. You feel open to be yourself all versions of yourself because we've all got different characters <laughs> yeah we've got quieter versions we've got versions that want to have fun so we've got the family version when you're with your parents <laughs> you've got nice. your friend version <laughs> yeah that is so true <laughs> yeah so a relaxed nervous system is so important because that means that if your nervous system's stressed your body's putting out cortisol and adrenaline which is is not great long term a relaxed nervous system is dopamine and serotonin it's the feel good hormones the love drugs mm. and it's the thing that you want so if you're with somebody who makes you feel like a little bit on edge or a little bit tense in your first couple of dates especially that's a sign that your body's telling you that there's something not right in the connection and this person maybe isn't safe so relaxed nervous systems big green flag. Very much so. That is really cool. And also when I speak with other people that have found their soulmate or, you know, their life partner, it's this feeling of being at home. Like it's just home. Wherever you are with them, you're at peace and you're at home. And I love that explanation. Yeah. The interesting thing about it, and I've learned this from personal experience, is Sometimes when a man or a woman feels like home, if home wasn't a great place, it's not necessarily a good thing. It just means that they're filling that frame, I suppose you could say, of whatever was toxic at home. Oh. It can represent that. And then there's the other side of it, which is you're so right. I feel so like spiritual right. home, you know, yeah, like yeah. on a deeper level, it's my home with that person. I think if like you're with somebody that you feel like that mm. and there's not this desire like to have to be with them all the time or no. we, like we just 
you leave all your friends behind and yeah, as long as you're, you can maintain yourself, which mm. you were describing before with your relationship, mm. if you can maintain self and you feel at home, yes, that's a very good sign. Yes. I've found my one. <laughs> Yay. And it sounds like you have too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. We're going to get married next year, which is super exciting. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, we've gone ring shopping. Oh, so We're awesome. pretty close as well. So, awesome. Yeah, very exciting. Look at us go. We've done all the work on ourselves and then we called in the right one. That's the thing. You've got to do the work on yourself, self-mastery, and then you attract somebody at that level rather than somebody who also needs to do work on themselves. Yes, yes. And I have actually discussed those different types of relationships like wound mates and then yeah. you know they're very toxic and yeah so great for healing if yes. you can just see it for what it was and then just let it go like take the lesson and let it go and keep moving towards the unicorn yes love it oh my <laughs> goodness well absolutely loved our conversation today yeah, too, thank you so much for coming in and if you want to follow all the great things that candace is up to you can see her on facebook or instagram and it's called good days with candace thank you Karen. thank you so much for your time I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget that we have heaps of other topics on this podcast that you may have missed because we've been podcasting since 2018. So if you haven't had the chance yet to check out our back catalogue in other series, go and have a little explore because I'm sure you'll find some new treasures. <laughs>